Our scripture reading this morning is from Nehemiah 2. Before we read the scripture, let's pray together. God, our helper, you are the way, the truth, and the life. By your Holy Spirit, help us hear and obey what you say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Nehemiah 2. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever! Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple, and for the city wall, and for the residence I will occupy? And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you... You have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it.
Great, thank you. We are looking this morning at Nehemiah chapter 2. As a church here at Bethel, we are in the process of renewal. We have a renewal uh, vision, thinking about how we can be renewed as a church and in faith. And so we're looking at different aspects of renewal. We started out a number of weeks ago looking at four essential aspects of God's renewing work in us and in the church. And the first aspect is the, the centrality of Christ Jesus. And that's just illustrating that in terms of the walls of the church. So at the front of the church, we have the cross of Jesus. We have clearly his central presence, his sacrifice for our sins. And that always needs to be and always will be the focus of, of a church. A church of Jesus Christ focuses on our Lord. And so we were just renewed in thinking and, and taking hold of that as an essential part of what it is to be church and to live out the call of Jesus in us. And then we, we thought about this wall as, as the, our vision, our vision, and we have windows in this wall, and we look out, and we want to be a church that, that ministers in the community, looks out, reaches out, invites people to come into the presence of God. And so we recognize too and reflected onto how God calls us to continue to do that, to be a welcoming fellowship, to be reaching out into our community and just to be renewed in that call, that vision for us as a church. Today we see a third aspect, essential aspect of renewal and of the work of the church. And the wall that we are looking at is the balcony at the back and the steps leading up. And the importance of leadership. People need to step up in response to the call of God on their lives, be active in the work of the church. That's an essential part of what it means to be church. As Jesus leads and as we see people in need, as we seek to be that living presence of Christ in our community, people need to step forward. Say, hey, I'm going to help in that. I'm going to be part of that. I'm going to do this or that or the other thing. We see that worked out in the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah stepped up. He took on leadership. Do you remember Nehemiah? Do you remember the story of Nehemiah? In a time when God is restoring his people from exile in Babylon, God calls Ezra the priest to rebuild a temple. And 13 years later, he calls Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. Who is this Nehemiah? We read in uh, Nehemiah uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2, he's a trusted official of the king of Babylon. But he's not a builder. It says in Nehemiah 1 verse 11, he is a cupbearer. And it says here in chapter 2 that he's busy doing his work. He is, verse 1, bringing the wine to the king. And so his work is an important work because he is actually the one who, who makes sure the wine isn't poisoned. And so in that sense, he is willing to give his life and the king really appreciates that. And so he is definitely a trusted, uh, loved, and appreciated person, but he's not a construction expert. So first of all, just to note that leaders 
that God calls are not perhaps feeling themselves especially able to lead. So in Nehemiah's case too, you think, what, what is he thinking? That he would be the one to go and lead in restoring those walls. But we are reminded, first of all, as we think of the story, maybe, maybe God is calling us. Though we might not feel, oh, that's exactly what I could do. God will equip and help. And so Jesus, too, continues to call each of us to give leadership. And also here in Bethel, to consider where we could do that. In the story, one day, Hananiah, his brother, Nehemiah's brother, comes from Jerusalem to visit him in Babylon, and he reports again, like Nehemiah knew this, but, but it, it was just striking to him again that, that the people in Jerusalem, without the walls, they are threatened, they are, are often harassed, they are not protected, and, and the walls are broken, the gates are burned, and it's a great struggle for them, and they need that wall rebuilt. It's clearly, this is what we need to do. And Nehemiah feels the pain of that. He does. And he prays to God in chapter 1 that God would somehow use him and that God would also grant him favor with the king and go and rebuild those walls. And so here we see that, that importance of prayer. And we started, too, our renewal process with a whole service of prayer that by God's grace, he would also speak into our lives and use us to renew again our vision and our ministry. So that's centrally here as well. When you pray to God and when you ask him to use you, you will be surprised. And I think here Nehemiah is surprised. As he goes to the king and the king says, what is it that I can do for you? And Nehemiah actually gets permission. And he even gets wood for the gates. And he even gets letters for uh, preventing the threat of Sanballat and Tobiah from stopping the work. It's an amazing work of God. So when we step up, it's not us, it's God working through us. And things happen that we, we are amazed by. That's, that's the underlying assurance here. Now, as Nehemiah actually takes up the task, there is a lot involved. You can sense some of the threats. As the uh, chapter unfolds, verse 9, he actually has to go with guards. The king sends army officials and cavalry with him. It, it's it's going to be challenging, difficult, even life-threatening. And then in verse 12, when he goes out to inspect the wall, he goes at night, partly for secrecy, but partly for safety. It's, it's not an easy work. When we take on the work of the Lord, there are challenges, and it's probably more than he bargained for, but, but he is sure God will provide. He believes this is a work of God. And as we do the work of the church too, that's our central belief. This is not us, this is God's work. And so we can go forward with confidence. Nehemiah, looks over the situation that he needs to deal with. He's heard from his brother. He's heard from others, oh, the walls are broken, the gates are broken. 
he goes and actually looks at it himself and, and he assesses it and, and by God's spirit, he, he recognizes that, that one key thing is missing. That, that in order to get this, this job done, this work done, They need leadership. The one thing that's lacking is leadership. As he goes around the wall, this, this, it, it, it must have struck him, absolutely. The wall has not been repaired due to a lack of leadership. Without willing leaders, little, nothing gets done. And you need to realize what what Nehemiah realized. Let me explain to you how he came to this understanding. When were the walls and gates of Jerusalem destroyed? It's a famous date in the history of the church. It's 586 B.C. 586 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar came with his armies from Babylon. He took the people into exile and he destroyed the walls and the gates of Jerusalem, 586 B.C. What is it now? What is the time that Nehemiah is coming? That's 444 B.C. 444. So do the math. 586 minus 444. 6 minus 4 is 2. 8 minus 4 is 4. 5 minus 4 is one. It's been 142 years. 142 years. Those walls and gates have been lying in ruin. Nehemiah comes recognizing that during all 142 years, the people were threatened, the people living there were attacked, the people there were plundered and robbed and killed, yet no one rebuilt the walls. And it is a big project. If you've been to Jerusalem, it's a, it's a long wall, number of kilometers, no doubt. And they don't have any builders available. And the wall was never, never worked on. So here comes Nehemiah, and, and he says, let's rebuild a wall, our text, verse 17. And he has no builders. And if you read on in Nehemiah 3, they do start, and it says specifically who's building. In Nehemiah 3, it says priests started building. And it adds in verse 5 of chapter 3, farmers started building. And it adds several times goldsmiths who worked just with their hands very very fine, intricate things. They start building this wall. And it even adds in verse 12 of chapter 3, women. It's unheard of. Women helped build. Women gave leadership, took part, built the wall. Amazing what's happening. 
And it says in Nehemiah 4 that, that they got it to half its height and things were going well. And then it says in Nehemiah 5 that, that a huge setback, they were attacked and they had to take half the workers off the wall because they needed to defend. And the other half kept working, but they couldn't just work. They had to carry spears and swords because there was threat of attack, but they kept working and they kept working. And by God's grace, it says in Nehemiah 6 verse 15, the wall was completed, Nehemiah 6.15, to its full height, the gates were in place. And then Nehemiah adds how long it took, how many months, how many years. It says in Nehemiah 6, verse 15, the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. 52 days. Under two months. The wall had lain in ruin for 142 years. And it was rebuilt in 52 days. With all kinds of threats. With half the workforce. With women helping out. During all that time. At any time. It could have been restored. If it can be renewed rebuilt in 52 days. It could have been at any time, but it never was. Why? What made all the difference? Someone, Nehemiah, stood up and said, I'll lead. Let's do this together. Leadership made all the difference. Someone simply stepping up. Someone who didn't know how to build, but someone who trusted in God and saw this was a work of God and directed the people to be part of that. Every time in the Bible when God does significant things, he finds someone to lead. You see Abraham called. You see Joseph Egypt, you see Moses, you see David, Elijah, Peter, and Paul. As, as we think about how God works in renewing and guiding, that we also need to step up in response to God's call. Be open to God's leading as we think about what he wants us to do. At this time, we have a, a, a renewal team that's working, uh, 10 members, that kind of a central team, and I appreciate their willingness to step up. We met again yesterday morning. It was, was excellent. It was exciting just to reflect and listen to what God is calling us to do as a church. That continues to be the challenge, that God calls us, people here, to lead, to take part in areas dear to us, as we go forward in faith. I want to conclude just by giving you one very interesting example of this point right here today. The Soul Patrol Choir here with us this morning. We're so thankful that you're here. I would like to just phrase it this way. For a long time, there was no choir here. I don't think it was 142 years. But for a long time, there was no choir. And even when I came 10 years ago, there was discussion, oh, it would be nice, would be nice if we had a choir, a kid's choir. I remember hearing that. People talking about that. Kids maybe willing to be part of it. 
and even for years before, too. Why don't we have a kids' choir? And then, and then, someone, Sherry, and some others, stepped up. They said, we're going to lead. We're going to lead. And what happened? All of a sudden, and I don't know the exact number, but I'm thinking the number, 52 kids, showed up. Just like 52 days. And when someone stepped up to lead, boom, there it was. Leadership makes all the difference. If there's no leadership, it doesn't happen. Everybody's talking, oh, good idea. Yeah, oh, that'd be wonderful. Nothing happens until someone steps up. And, and yeah, I don't know, you must have thought at the start too, what are we getting into, right? Yeah. But God provides, God blesses, God gives the wonderful blessing even to us as a church this morning that you are here. It's just so good. And that the children, too, are blessed in being part of the choir. And God does amazing things through it all. But one of the key essential parts of that that wonderful new thing that you started is leadership. You can think of other examples, too. Leadership makes a huge difference. And so to reflect on God's call on us to have that openness to be those instruments that God would want to use to build his church and to bless his people. Just in conclusion, our focus on leadership out of Nehemiah it is always the Lord Jesus who leads us. And so we, as those called to lead, follow his lead. We see him calling us to follow him, even as he called the disciples to follow him, even as he continues to call his church to follow him. And so to build up the church is to see Jesus going before us and to see him working through us to push back the darkness, to grow closer to him and to serve him with thankfulness and joy. It's exciting to see what God will do as we step up to serve him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would lead us in declaring the good news of your love, in living out the vision that you have for us as Christians and as a church. We pray that you would help us to adapt the message to our community, that we would be willing to invest in others and in those around us, that we would constantly see new opportunities and even be ready to take leadership in different areas. Lord, that you would work in us by your Spirit, seeking to build your kingdom here. We thank you for your leading in the past. We thank you for your blessing also through the choir, and we go forward also in our faith, in our churches, trusting in your leadership today and always. Amen. The choir is going to lead us in a song of response by faith.